kids, you all are dismissed to Kids Barn. Have a great time. Well, how are we doing this morning? Good. It's good morning, isn't it? Hey, um, I did want to start out this morning by, by addressing the fact that it is the 21st anniversary of 9-11, and we, we said that we would never forget, and so we take a moment just to reflect on what's occurred. It's one of those handful of moments in your life, if you're really over the age of about 24 or 25, where you remember exactly where you were when you heard that, that planes were crashed into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. And so this morning we continue to reflect. We continue to remember the loss of life. We continue to remember with reverence the people who went back in to, to give up their lives to save Others, And so I just wanted to take a moment of silence this morning uh, to remember 9-11 and then pray and then we'll get into the message this morning. Father, we thank you for the, the sacrifice of, of so many heroes on that day. And we, we look back at, not in fear, but uh, in remembrance. And we, what we can do is, you know, we just give any fear of that day to you. And we, we turn it to gratitude for the gift of life that we've been given here today. And we're so thankful that we're here and we're able to gather today. And so we thank you for that ability. We love you a whole lot. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we were going to begin a new series uh, called Alone. We will start that next week. It's a three-week series. Uh, but I came, came to Whitney on Tuesday, and I said, hey, I know, you know we've kind of aligned our messages and our uh, worship and everything for this month, but uh, I'm thinking about maybe calling an audible this week and uh, talking through, processing through communion. And I blame Francis Chan for that because uh, if you've read letters to the church, he essentially makes you reevaluate everything that you do. And so I thought, you know, this is a great week for us to continue in these spiritual practices because in Acts 2, essentially, the church did four things consistently. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They had fellowship together. They prayed together. And they broke bread. And most people think that the breaking of bread was this opportunity to do exactly what Jesus had said. He said, remember me and break bread and drink as a remembrance of what he has done. And so I think for us as a church, continuing these spiritual practices is going to be really important. And Wednesday night, we devoted our night to a night of prayer. 
And, man, it was such a good night. There was so much unity and togetherness. There was clarity given. There were tears shed, and God really worked through that. And so we're going to continue that theme here today, and we're going to talk through, process through what communion is, what it does, and then we're going to take communion together today. Does that sound good? Good, because that's, that's all I had planned. There's not a plan B. So, um, Communion is a sacred event that Jesus actually commanded us to do. And it's very prominent in Matthew, Mark, and Luke in great detail in, in those Gospels. Um, and he says this in Luke 22. He says, do this in remembrance of me. So he says, to break the bread and take the cup and remember him when we do it. Now, for context, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Uh, we're going to start in verse 7 here in just a minute, but I'll give a little bit of background. Uh, so essentially, here in this chapter, it is the night of the Passover feast. And this is the night that Jesus is going to be uh, taken into custody. He's going to be tried in the dead of night illegally and be found guilty of blasphemy. So he's having this one last meal with his disciples at Passover. Now, Passover was an annual celebration that began in Exodus 12. So the Israelites are, are in captivity during this time, and God says, I'm going to uh, extend my wrath to the Egyptian people for their corruption, for their oppression of the Israelite people. But he says to the Israelites, he says, if you'll do this, if you will get a lamb and you will sacrifice that lamb and you'll take the blood of the lamb and you'll put it on the door, then what I'll do, this is God talking, what I'll do is I'll then pass over your house on the day of judgment. So they do that and they listen to God and they're obedient to God and then God, after 430 years of being enslaved to the Egyptians, that night God frees the Israelites from captivity on the first day of Passover. And then God instructs them, he says, now annually I want you to do this. Every year I want you to take an unblemished, spotless lamb, about a year old, and do the same thing. So what they would do is they would take a lamb to Jerusalem and they would sort of like hold it and lean into it to, as if to push their sins on to this lamb. And then the high priest would come by and would cut the throat of the lamb. And then they would be saved by the blood of the lamb. And they'd have to continue this tradition. Every year they'd do that. They'd cast their sins on the blood of the lamb. And so Jesus is meeting with his disciples on this Passover night the same anniversary that the blood of the lamb was spilled, and he eats with them, and he changes everything right here in Luke 22, starting in verse 7. We'll read through 21. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? 
He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the, fast, uh, the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So here, here is what he's saying. He's, he's telling them that he is the ultimate fulfillment of the Passover sacrifice. The time with, of coming up with a good enough sacrifice each year is over because Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. So they will not be preparing any more sacrifices because the blood of Jesus fulfills the sacrifice needed to make a way for us to be with God in heaven forever. And that's the good news this morning. So instead of trying to cover our own sin and prepare a sacrifice, now what we do is we remember and we reflect on the ultimate sacrifice. We no longer bring our sacrifice, we bring our remembrance of the ultimate sacrifice. And frankly, we don't bring anything to the table. What we do is we recline at the table with the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. To live our lives in a remembrance, a remembrance for what he's done for us. And I think remembrance does essentially four things that I'd love to process through with you this morning before we take communion together. One, remembrance produces reverence. Remembrance produces reverence. We sit in awe and wonder at the Holy Son of God and what He has done, that He absorbed uh, the wrath of the Father once and for all. To have that kind of power and ability to cover sin, man, we just stare at this great chasm between us and Him. And I think often we compare ourselves to other people when we need to compare ourselves to a holy God. And when we do that, we stare at awe and wonder of who he is and what he has done. The fact that Jesus wants to sit at the table with us, the ones who put him on the cross with our sin, and he serves us, and he gives his life up for us. This is a remarkable event that deserves all reverence towards it. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul makes a statement about not taking communion in an unworthy manner. And essentially what he's saying here is when you take communion, you've got to uh, ascribe the proper worth to the event. It's a, such a sacred event that we just got to say, this is an amazing sacred event that I get to do each day. Do we understand today the magnitude of the fact that Jesus, the holy, perfect Son of God, reclines at the table with us serves us and gives up 
his life for us. And what's so amazing to me is that he also serves Judas at the table. And John 13 tells us that not only does he serve him, he washes his feet. Now think about that for a second. And Dallas Willard puts it like this. In Psalm 23, when, when God prepares a table for David in the presence of his enemies, he says, ultimate maturity is not when we can uh, have peace at the table in the midst of our enemies. He said that's not, that's not ultimate maturity. Ultimate maturity is when you sit at the table with your enemy and you desire to serve your enemy food at the table. That's ultimate maturity. And that's what Jesus does here with Judas. Man, what an unbelievable act of love that he gives here. And this week, I just I hear this story probably for the hundredth time, and just in a whole new way, I just sit in awe and wonder at how much he just loves to, to serve Judas at the table. And remembrance produces reverence. The second one is this. Uh, remembrance also produces repentance. When we take time to reflect on what Jesus has done, we take time to recognize what it is in our own lives that sent him there to the cross. And because we truly believe that it is finished, we come to the Father and we say, Father, here are my sins. Here's where I've wrecked it completely this week. And I need you, Father, help me. And we come to him. Now, this is so important. We come to him not for a position of right standing with him, but from a position of right standing with him because of what Jesus has done, that he is the ultimate sacrifice. How often do we sit and just say, man, I'm so far off here. I, I need you. I just beat my chest and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need you. I look at how holy you are and how, fa how far I've fallen short, and I just say, God, I need you. We've got to understand that it is our sin that put him on the cross. That none of us are righteous, not one. And that we need his righteousness over and over again. Y'all, we can't go back to the old Passover way of saying that I'm going to try to cover myself again. There's nothing that we can offer. We have got to remember time and time again that that he is the ultimate sacrifice, and we come back to him in repentance as our source, as our advocate, as our grace, as our very energy, because remembrance has got to produce repentance. What do you need to confess to him this morning? What areas of our lives do we need to repent of this morning before we take communion? Paul also says that we ought to examine our hearts before we take communion. Remembrance produces repentance. Third one is remembrance produces rest. That we can rest because Jesus said right before he breathed his last breath, he said that it is finished. What does he mean by that? What is finished? Well, let's look at Luke uh, Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to sa seek and save the lost. Romans 3.25 says that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. 
2 Corinthians 5, 18, 19 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And then John 1, 29 says, uh, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, remember we talked about the Passover Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Among other things, he came to reconcile us, to atone for us, to save us who are lost, to justify us in front of a holy God. And here's the thing, it was not a theory, it was not a hope, he actually did it. He actually pulled it off and he told us he did it on the cross when he says it is finished. And y'all, this word finished, like, it doesn't compute to me sometimes. You know, I think it's like a reset button. Or, you know, maybe I can have the door be shut again. Like, you know, he's, he's thinking that now, but wait until, you know, I continue to sin and that sort of thing. No, no. It is finished means it is finished. It is done. It is done. When we remember what he did, it produces us a rest in our hearts. And the fourth one is remembrance produces relationship. In fact, communion and community come from the same Greek word, uh, koinonia. Uh, community is a community event, uh, communion is a community event that was actually established by Jesus in Luke 22. We just read uh, 15. It says, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And communion is, in some ways, it's individual, right? Only you can eat for yourself. Only you can drink for yourself. Only you can actually receive him and take him in. But it's also very much a community event, isn't it? There's something about believers coming to the table together with Jesus at the table and remembering and reflecting on what he's done. I think that this is a powerful, sacred time to be together, united, and reflect on what Jesus has done. Do we ever just eagerly desire to say, man, I, I can't wait to spend time with you and reflect on Jesus. I can't wait to get together this week and talk about how good Jesus has been. And this doesn't have to be just in this environment here. This is a great time to take communion. But also, take communion at home. Take communion in your life group. Take communion with friends. Spend time in communion with others. Y'all, one of the things that I hope for this church and for our community is that we can grasp this idea that Jesus shares with us in verse 15. That he says, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to spend time with you. I can't wait to sit and recline at the table with you and reflect. I can't wait. What if that was our attitude that we, we said, you know what? Jesus realizes here that this is his last meal. That his time is almost up with his friends here in this form, this fashion. And he says, I'm so excited about this opportunity. What if we realized that, that our time could be up? Anytime, and that we 
that we treat this as such a sacred event to have the ability right now here to come together and remember what Jesus has done. Man, this is a wonderful opportunity that we should not take for granted today. So remembrance produces reverence. Remembrance produces repentance. Remembrance produces rest. And remembrance produces relationship. Worship team's going to come back up. and uh, when, So here's how we'll do it. When you're ready during this first song, if you will, uh, in the back corners, there's some communion elements. And in the front corners here, there's some communion elements. And I'd love for you to, uh, to grab those elements, take them back to your seat. And then after this first song, I'll come back up and we'll take communion together. But if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd encourage you just, just not, to, not to take communion today, but instead to reflect on what is it in my life that I'm holding on to that I'm not willing to give up to follow him. And then I encourage you not to experience anxiety over that, but to just give those things over to him in humility today and watch what he's done. Or if you want to uh, come and talk to an elder today or you want to come talk to me man nothing would bring me greater joy than to have that conversation with you today and also if you if you are a christian if you are a a follower of jesus today but uh but there are things that you need to repent of and there's a a sort of a, a a heart set that needs to uh first reflect on the awe and wonder of what he's actually done with his blood poured out for us with his body broken for us man i'd encourage you reflect on those things before you take the elements here today but for those of you who are ready after this song we'll take communion together i did want to just read from isaiah 53 before we do that this is a prophecy over 730 years before the time of jesus says this it says surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not he did not even open his mouth. He was led a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet Who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. Y'all, this prophecy has been fulfilled by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And he said, it is finished. Y'all, let's remember and let's worship together.
Father, help us to remember, to live our life in remembrance of, of the fact that you sent your son on our behalf. Father, we thank you for the bread. We thank you for your son's body that was torn on our behalf. And we thank you for the blood that's been poured out on our behalf as well. Father, we love you a whole lot. In Jesus' name, amen. I read from 1 Corinthians. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. During this last song, if you need to bring something to him, to the altar, do that. If you need to sit in your seat and reflect, do that. If you need to bring your praise and worship of the fact that God sent his only son on our behalf, please respond that way as well. This is your time to worship. 